You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. If you have a Bible... Um, if you would, turn to Numbers chapter 17. I want to, um, Numbers chapter 17, we've been doing a, a stroll this summer through the, through the Old Testament, uh, reading different uh, stories and passages from the Old Testament and just gleaning from them. And um, to me, there's a couple things that are really important about the Old Testament. There's been a lot of things, but I think two that are, that are very crucial for us as Christians to continue to read and and spend time in the in the Old Testament part of Scripture. One is, um, there's a lot of of uh, in the New Testament. It happened over a course of about 40 years. Paul, I think the first New Testament book was probably Thessalonians, and it was written in probably the mid 40s A.D. About 10 years after Jesus, 10 or 15 years, and you know the New Testament probably stopped being written about 40 years later. And so you've got really a, a small amount of time in which, you know, all this is collected and happened. So there's a very limited amount of experiences uh, that, which the church draws from. But then when you get in the Old Testament, you've got, you know, 1,500 years. And you've got stories of nomadic people. You've got stories of slaves being set free. You've got stories of uh, people that are part of a, a kingdom and an empire that actually had become very dominant in the world. And you have uh, stories of people that got conquered by, and you, you have a wide range of experiences. You, it deals with marriage. It deals with family. It deals with, you know, a, a, just a wide variety of experiences. And part of what we do when we're reading the Old Testament is we can find ourselves in the lives and the experiences of these characters. You know, this guy's like me, this person's like me. And you can find issues that are um, very relevant and pull them out. And they're, they're more, instead of just stated fact, they're illustrated and they're illuminated. And they can give you, just the, the nuance of that can be really helpful. So that's what we are doing with the Old Testament. And so I'm looking at this story that I've really had on my heart to share with you um, for a while. And it's from number 17. And it's a very strange story. And strange stories are really cool because if you read them and you go, that's strange. And then you look at it a while, it really sort of provokes you to ponder and think and and muse over why something is there. And there's a lot of truth that can come out of that. So I want to look at a strange story in the Bible. And I think a very relevant, kind of a challenging topic to talk on. Um, and about the topic of spiritual authority and what the Bible does say about spiritual authority and how we understand it and how we recognize it and respond to it. Um, you know, in our church, one of the things that's been going on in our church, we, as many of you know, we began a little bit over 10 years ago. And it was just, you know, my wife, my, my, me, my wife, and my two kids, and a, then a few handful of people, and we kind of got about 20, 20, I think 29 people together and we actually started an actual church service and it grew and grew and grew. And initially though, we were just packed with college students. Um, just, you know, and some of you that were there remember that we just, we had college students everywhere and it was a great thing. And we still do have a lot of college students and we want to always have a lot of college students in our church. It's a very, 
vital uh, if you're living in Athens, Georgia, and you're a church reaching people that you reach that population. I think that's very important to do. So, but what, what began to happen is I, I started thinking, you know, this is a, we wanted to become more of a conventional church. And I remember talking with a, a friend of mine, uh, it, a church, and he was on staff at Perimeter a church in Atlanta, and he basically, he was an expert in church planning, and he said, basically, Lee, what happened is, he said, a church has two stories. There's its first story of the people that are involved, and they're, they're, you know, whatever, and then there's a second story of who you're reaching, and if you can get a third story and a fourth story, great. He said, what happened with you is, you, your second story came before the first story, and so you've got to get, build a first story, and so what we've been doing, um, particularly at a, more of a intricate level is building this first story of the church. You know, at our board level, our church has changed dramatically in the last couple of years. We are much more organized internally. Our systems are down. We are like a real church, you know, and it's really exciting to see after all these years. And, and, um, but we've, we've, you know, we did this book, this, uh, book, this introduction to our church where we, we discussed our theology and our, our way, way we operate and things like that. And, and within that, one of the things that's really important to define is spiritual authority. What is spiritual authority? What is it about? What does it mean? What is it derived from? And there's some really powerful lessons in the Bible about that. Um, one of the things that I think is one of the precursor, I, I think it is important that we be right on about it. I, I've been in churches where there was a attitude about spiritual authority that the pastor is the man he's just the man you know I've been in churches where the pastor insisted on being called pastor x and when they got their doctorate it was dr x like no one would dare call him by their first name and it was just there was just sort of a woo the pastor kind of thing and I just I just you know, again, I was there, and you know, in Rome, you do as the Romans, but uh, I just always thought that was a little bit much. I, I'm not into that. You, I, I have, maybe it's just because I have such a terrific first name. Um, I think Lee, if this, these guys had been named Lee, they probably would have been a little more uh, proud of their name and not need to have a label, label before it. I don't know. But, uh, but I'm, I'm just not into that. You don't need to call me... Uh, Dr. Mason, although um, if you choose one of the two, I'd rather be called Dr. Mason than Pastor Lee because it was a lot of hard work becoming a Dr. Mason. And, uh, you know, but I'm just not into that. You know, we've seen that kind of stuff where it's it's, um, the man. The other thing, though, is the idea that, well, the pastor's nothing special. And that position's nothing special. And he's just, a, he's just a guy. He's just one of the Christians in the church. And I think there's real, real danger in that too. Um, I was reading this week an article um, that was in a Christian magazine about a, um, a couple that was a great, um, had done a lot of the worship songs, really great. And you know, they've, they've written some songs that were really terrific that we sing here. And the wife was sharing how one day she and her husband were on a walk and he told her, well, actually, I'm an atheist now. And it was just kind of interesting to, to read about that. And it was, they were talking about their spirituality and their processing it and their church. And I kind of went online and looked at their church because I was like, going, this is just bizarre. How did this happen? And because the questions he were asking were not, you know, anyways, I've just, and, and their church was basically just a group of people. They get together, they eat dinner, 
no structure, no leadership, no authority. They were very much, hey, there's no, and, and it just was a, it just was a kind of a weak, spineless uh, situation. And so when something really heavy hit this guy's life, there was no real teeth and uh, no real backbone. And they just, he just collapsed. And it just got me thinking about this. So this has been on my heart for a while to share this. And I hope this is going to go well. Um, and now, let me, let me uh, get you in, in uh, Numbers chapter 17. Let me give you a little background of what's going on here. In chapter 16, there was a rebellion that happened. Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they are wandering in the wilderness, and there are three guys that start a rebellion. And they were all leaders uh, of, in, in Israel. They were not minor people. They were real leaders, people of significance. One was a guy named uh, Korah. One was a guy named Dathan, and one was a guy named Eberim. And these guys, along with 250 of the other prominent leaders in this big community, came out. And you can read about their story. It's in Numbers 16, verse 2 and 3. This is kind of how this gets started. Numbers chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. It says, They rose up against Moses. With them, 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. In verse 3, it says, they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron, and they said to them, who has, you have gone too far. And here's what they said, the whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Now, here's what happened. Moses and Aaron were leading the, the whole congregation of Israel, the whole community. And they were, Aaron was the priest, Moses was doing his job. And there were three guys, and then they, specifically then 250 other leading people, as they began to discuss this, they said, hey, why are these guys leaders? And they, and they here's what they said to them. They said, you're nothing special. We're all equally God's people. Now, here's the thing about that verse. That's true, isn't it? Equally were. In fact, Moses had said he wished all of God's people were prophets a few verses earlier, a few chapters earlier. And so there's just this idea is this, these guys are going, well, hey, we're all the same. We're all equal. God's equally accessible to every one of us. And then so they ask this question, what makes you different within this context? What makes you different? What makes you the authority? What makes you the leader? Now, when we think in our own world, we don't say that to our boss. Because why? Because what makes him the leader is a paycheck. We don't say that to political leaders. Because what makes them leaders is a vote, a consensus of the community. And so we need to ask, what is it that really designates somebody to be the leader in a community of faith, in a church. And so if you go through this story, what happens, um, these guys, without getting too detailed, they get judged. And, like, and this is what we mean by judgment. The, the earth literally opens up and swallows these three guys. And that's a pretty good indication 
you're on the wrong side of the, the argument if that happens. And then fire came out and killed the 250 guys. So they're all, they're all wiped out, and this is pretty decisive. If I were there, I would go, okay, I'm with this guy. I am voting for Moses and Aaron. You know, but what's really funny and what's odd, funny is an appropriate word, but what's odd about this story is the people didn't do that. I mean, the people got continued to be mad. In other words, what had happened, this rebellion, this question, it's very healthy to question authority, but this sort of disrespect of authority, this sort of eh, putting off authority had really seated these people to where this demonstration of judgment wasn't enough. And so what happens, they're really rebelling seriously against Moses and Aaron. And so God sends a plague and it just starts wiping people out. And Moses and Aaron are praying, God, stop, please. And they, they go and Aaron makes this uh, censer and he, he makes a sacrifice. And he goes and the, and the Bible says he runs out into the middle of the people and he basically makes this sacrifice and that literally he stood between the living and the dead. If you could imagine what an extraordinary thing that would have been. People are dying of a plague. Moses and Aaron make a sack, and, Mo, and Aaron the priest runs out and he gets right in the middle of the people, right where death is, and he just he stands between the living and the dead. And so that was an awesome event. And so Moses and gets and he goes, look, we've got to really settle this. We need to make we understand this is a real problem. There is something about human beings when rebellion toward authority in a really unhealthy way gets going, it is not a good thing. And I think it's kind of, you know, I get bothered by this just in our culture. I think the spirit of the age for a long time has been to rebel against authority. I think we, uh, if I look at our art, our movies, there's always a bad leader, and there's a lot of bad leaders out there, but there's always a, you know, they're, they're it's always mistrust authority. I think the way we have treated our presidents for the past two decades has been horrible. Uh, regardless of what their background is, I think it's just contemptible how we treat the presidency of the United States for the past 20 years, regardless of who was in there. And it's just sort of a spirit of the age. And I think that what, what uh, happens here is Moses does something to remedy that and to really clarify to people. So he's answering this question. And the question was asked by these rebels. Who made you? How is it that you're in authority here? And so let's look at, at Numbers chapter 17. Let me read a strange story to you. Make a couple comments and we'll, we'll call it a day. But I hope this is something that will be interesting to you and it'll be something that it's some, will be a, something good to know. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites... And get 12 staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. Okay, so what they did, they got these sticks. There was 12 tribes there, uh, 12 states, 12 territories, and each had a leader. And so that guy would bring a stick, like a walking stick, and on that stick they wrote the first name of the leader. Okay? That's what they were doing. On the staff, place them in the tent of meeting in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout 
And I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So here's what they do. They take these sticks. There's this tent of meeting where, where Moses meets with God. And he says, just put them in there where the Ark of the Covenant is. And tomorrow morning, one of them's going to be alive. In other words, a dead stick is going to come to life. And the dead stick that comes to life, that'll be the guy that's my guy. So Moses did this, verse 6. Gave all the twelve, we gave them all staffs, for one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the covenant. covenant. Verse 8, the next day Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but it budded and produced blossoms, almonds. Then Moses brought about all the staffs from the Lord's presence, of all the Israelites, they looked at them, and each of the leaders took his own staff. The Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the law to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. The Israelites said to Moses, we will die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who even comes near the tabernacle will die. We're going to die. So he goes on here. So this is an odd story. They take these sticks. They put them in this tent. God comes, and the one that had Aaron's name on it burst to life. It burst to life. And as Israel went forward in there as a people, they had this very important uh, piece of furniture to them. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And it symbolized God's presence with them. And there were three things in that ark. One were the Ten Commandments. And it represented God's authority and truth. You know, if we're going to be legitimate as a church, one thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have a commitment to truth. God's presence is in truth. The second thing there was was a jar of what's called manna. It was this wonderful kind of bread-like wafer God provided for them for 40 years. And it, it's a symbol of grace. And what we need, too, is a sacred thing in the presence of God is the, the idea of God's grace, of God's provision, of God providing enough. And then the third thing that was in this ark, though, was this rod, this budding dead stick, this miracle God did, that God brought a dead stick to life. And this is how God designates authority spiritually. It's not by degrees. It's not by experience. It's not by a lot of other things. It is by this, bringing life from the dead. When God brings life from something that is dead, when God takes a dead stick no life in of itself, and he brings life from it. That's how God designates authority, and this was a sign forever. And so in closing this up, I just want us to understand that. When we, when we, we, uh, we understand that God does this tremendous thing, he designates authority by doing this, bringing forth spiritual life, bringing forth life. And these are the things that we need to be committed to as a church. As we move forward, we need to be committed to the truth uncompromisingly. We need to be committed to uh, the grace of God. 
We need to be committed to understanding authority God's way, not we, we, are, we, don't, we question authority, but we respect authority, having a right attitude about authority, not letting the spirit of the age overtake us, but really being clear about what the Bible says and how he designates authority and, and moving with him in that. But let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. We thank you for the truth in it. And Father, I pray that you would just make us, Lord, embracers of this, that, there, that we all have spiritual authority in our life. We all uh, have people that you call us to respect and submit to and, in our lives. We pray that you would give us as followers of you, as your church, Lord, a healthy attitude about spiritual authority, one where we're free to ask questions, but yet we also respect, and we respect you within uh, the authority you designate. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. And we pray you'd bless us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in his purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.